How's everyone doing? Who came to the New Year's Eve uh, prophecy communion thing that we do? Those who didn't come. Hmm. I just wanted to see who didn't come, really. No, it, it, it's an amazing time, and uh, we, we usually get to, as a staff and, and our uh, leadership team, it's one of those nights that we get to just pray for people for a really long time, and there's not many opportunities that you actually just pray for people for like a really long time. So it's one of our favorite nights. We feel like it's a really powerful marking moment in the spirit for us as a, as a group of people to, uh, to launch into to a new year. And so um, if I can plug one thing real quick is Steve and Wendy Backlund. How many of you guys are like, do you, okay, so they weren't able to make it last year, so we're like in a year withdrawal from Steve and Wendy Backlund. And I need Steve and Wendy Backlund in my life. And I cannot wait to come. If you don't know who they are, they're, they're leaders and pastors out of Bethel Church in Redding, California. Uh, have a ministry called Igniting Hope. It's absolutely life-changing, amazing what they carry. And uh, we're going to have them as well as their intern teams uh, here from the 17th to the 20th. The 17th will be out at Pickerington uh, for CSSM. And so that weekend, we also launched CSSM. It's, about, it's on hearing God and growing in the prophetic. And so, uh, yeah, uh, if you haven't come to CSSM, I just highly, highly recommend it. Uh, to come and check it out, kick the tires, come our first night, come the second night, you don't have an obligation to join. If you come like four or five times, I'll probably just ask you to join at that point. It's just awkward that you haven't. Uh, but, but come and check it out. It's January 20th here at Powell. We meet Sunday night at 5 o'clock. And so this quarter on hearing God and the prophetic just... Man, if you want to just go to a new place and hearing God and different ways to hear God and how to make it a lifestyle of hearing God and how to walk in his voice, this quarter is really for you. So we do dream interpretation. We do hearing God in new ways, lots of activations. Uh, it's a really, really great environment. So I highly recommend it. You can sign up at CSSMEquip.com or, or get information in the lobby. So, so this weekend, uh, Jim and Mary Baker, our senior pastors, are away. Uh, they are on a cruise uh, out in the middle of the Caribbean, I guess, somewhere, uh, with Brian Simmons uh, doing that Passion Translation cruise. And that was a gift that we gave them as a church for celebrating their 10 years of being pastors here at Zion. And so that's where they are today. And so uh, if you've seen, you know, they're probably posting pictures somewhere and just tempting you to covet and, you know, uh, you know, our staff, they were sending pictures and we've just been like, I... I love you, Jesus. I will not covet. I love you, Jesus. I will not covet. But we're just so excited to be able to send them. So they'll be back next week. Uh, really, really happy that they can go and relax and unwind. And, you know, we, we talked about this before, but usually with pastors, it's like you usually celebrate them when they die or when they retire, right? Let a little conviction sink in. It's okay. But, like, but it's usually when. And so it's just it's so much fun to be able to celebrate them. And, and uh, you know, I encourage you guys uh, sometimes people don't give words to pastors because they kind of have this, like, they're the mighty man or woman of God, and, but I have a prophetic word for them, but, like, I don't give it. How many of you have, have gone through something like that before where, like, you kind of have a word for someone, but you're not sure maybe if you should or if you're qualified to? I just encourage you guys, man, give, give words to Jim and Mary. Like, when they get back, flood them with words. Let's, let's get them going for 2019 because as they're successful, we're successful. And so, uh, man, just, just so excited for them. So, but we were talking a little bit as a team this week and just talking about different vacation places, you know, to go or that we want to go or that uh, we are praying that God transports us to. 
maybe not live there, but vacation there. So I just want to start with this, is uh, where is the best place you've ever gone on vacation, or maybe just the best place you've ever visited, and where is, where is a place that you want to go on vacation, or a place that you want to go and visit? So gather around two or three people just around you, neighbors, whatever. We're just going to take a moment. What is the best place you've ever been, and what is a place that you've never been, but you really want to go? Introduce yourself, let them know your name. All right, if you haven't switched, go ahead and switch. You don't have to tell them about like the house you're gonna stay at, just kind of the place. All right, let's come back to reality. You're in cold Ohio, praise the Lord. If you're not in the Bahamas, the destination, whatever thing you were, maybe you are in like your heart right now, and that's fine, but how many of you guys love that Ohio, this has nothing to do with anything, but Ohio is the only uh, state where we have scripture as our state motto, but it's not just like any scripture, it's a scripture that says with God all things are possible. You know, and I always, I always think about it, it's like, you know, if we were written in the Bible, would we be the, the people of the land where God, all things are possible? Like, you know what I mean? Like, would that be our tribal name as a, as a region? I just think about that. Like, what if, you read a, what if you read something in Scripture, and it talks about these people who were of the land of all things are possible, yet, yet like, didn't believe? You'd be like, believe! You're in the land where all things are possible. You know what I mean? You'd be like, come on! How much more permission do you need? <laughs> so there's three things that we, we talk about a good bit, and uh, I feel like the Lord wants to do something this morning that might feel a little different. Typically, when we start New Year's, you know, we tend to, what do you want to do, right? Like, and we're going to actually do, like, some goal stuff next week. It's actually going to be really cool. Uh, but we kind of start things off in New Year, like, what, what do I, 2018 is done. 
now what is 2019 all about for me, right? And we start to dream, and, and those things are really healthy. And a lot of churches actually take January and seek the Lord and do an extended time of fasting and, and intercession to just discover some of those places of, okay, 2018 is done, or last year is done, 2019, where are our goals? Where are our targets? What, are, what is the place, the, the assignments? What is, this makes sense? Like, what are those things that need to be accomplished? You know, and, and so we're going to do that, but... You know, I, I think what happens sometimes is, uh, you know, we can want to move on where God is still asking us to respond. Does that make sense? Like, we'll just, like, we want to move on sometimes to a place, a voice, a question, a whisper, a direction that we just haven't fully responded to the Lord. Or maybe we're avoiding the Lord on it. Everyone's like, this is not the goal setting I was anticipating for 2019. <laughs> You know, surrender, surrender produces great faith. Surrender is the key to great faith. Intimacy is the key to, to great fruitfulness, great friendship with God. But it's obedience that's the key to great growth. That, that all the impartation in the world, it's still up to you to obey, to respond. Everyone's like, man, I thought we were doing like happy clappy 2019. I'm talking about obedience today. But, you know, it's just so important because here's the thing. How many of you found that God is unrelenting in his voice? That he'll say something and he won't change the subject until he gets your attention. And you won't grow until you respond to him. That, that you can pray and fast and you can get all the sozos in the world to get freed up from all that stuff, like from life. You can, I mean, you can seek everything that's good. You can read your Bible every single morning, every single night. You can pray like, you know, the Israels would. They would pray at, at 9 a.m., at, at noon, and at 3 every day and just take time. And I love those repetitions, right? You can do all that stuff, but if you're not obeying the voice of the Lord, God, you, you, every time you encounter God, he's going to be asking the same question. How many of you found that to be the case? How many of you found that that is annoying? But how many of you found you need it? That God knows what he's doing. That, that the way that people will change a subject, God won't. That God won't change a subject on our lives. And so we, we, we kind of go into new years or new seasons where we're, like, we're, we're going to try to build on something new without ever fully yielding, responding, or obeying what he's been asking of us. And so in order for us to move forward, you know, I got this word uh, uh, about two weeks ago about expansion. And I am so, like, I am carrying this word expansion for 2019. I'm so excited. But in order to do that, I have to see, God, have I responded to you where you're speaking? Because, you know, we're called as believers to go from glory to glory. Amen? Like, we go from one breakthrough to the next, from, from one answer prayer to the next. We go from growth to growth. We, we, we go from a place of obeying and seeing fruitfulness and seeing the breakthrough of the Lord, and whether that's an internal and external circumstance, an internal uh, peace that you didn't have, like whatever that is. We, like in the kingdom, there's only more of Jesus for us. And Jesus is always good. Like anything he's giving out is good. And so it's worth it to take a look and say, God, where, where is your voice over my life that I've been avoiding and where is your voice over my life that I just need to step into? I love that prophetic word. That was, a, that was an absolute right-on prophetic word that Natalie gave about God's not going to give you the blueprint, but he will give you an invitation to a step. How many of you found that, I mean, Martin Luther King, he said that, you know, that faith is, is walking up the stairs when you can only see one step in front of you. How many of you found that God will keep you in tension? 
even though you very much, like, I'd, like I would love the blueprint, right? Like, God, give me the access to the blueprint. Let me see it all. It's like, no, 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 because a step requires trust. It requires intimacy. It requires relationship. The blueprint you might get and take and try to do it yourself. How many of you found that when you do stuff yourself, it's terrible? So I want to look today, uh, we're just going to spend a little bit of time in Jonah. So why don't you guys open your Bible, it's the book of Jonah. You know, Jonah is one of these, uh, it's one of these amazing books in the Old Testament that sometimes we think we kind of know, we think it's like Pinocchio, like, you know, like a fish and a, a person in it and, you know, a, a, like a tale more than it is uh, a prophetic book that God has really intentionally for us to absorb. There's, there's anointing in this book, and there's a, there's, there's a message in the life of Jonah that God wants us to, to take hold of. And so uh, Jonah, if some of you don't know, uh, Jonah was a, a prophet around 8th, 8th century B.C. And so some of you are, are going to eat this part up. Some of you are checking out right now. It's okay. Check back in when I'm done this part, okay? So Jonah was a prophet around 8th, 8th century B.C. On, under a king of Israel named Jeroboam. And so he was uh, in the midst of Israel at the time was in the midst of getting oppressed by Assyrians. So basically their enemies were all around them, constantly taking territory, raiding their lands, oppressing them, taking them captive. Does that make sense? I kind of paint a picture. So it's a bad situation for Israel as a nation right now. And Jonah is a prophet at the time under King Jeroboam. And Jeroboam uh, is someone who's not walking rightly with God, but Jonah is. And so, so God sends Jonah to, 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 the, to Israel. And in 2 Kings 14.25, it actually says that Jonah prophesied that in the reign of Jeroboam, that Israel would get back territory that was, once, that was, that was, that was being held captive. That where the enemy grabbed hold of, Israel would get it back. And it, it came to pass. So, so Jonah is, he's like a heavy-hitting prophet. Like, like Jonah, I think sometimes we just think he's just like, just such a hot mess that it gives you hope, you know? But, but, but Jonah was actually a powerful prophet at the time, right before the time of Amos. And, 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 and Jonah uh, was someone that had some dysfunction that came out, and it wasn't revealed until God spoke to him and asked him to do something. How many of you found that to be the case? It's like you and your own little world, me and my own world, like, you know, we're just like so holy, so like full of glory. And then anyone asks us of something, like God might ask us to do something, and all of a sudden, all the stuff that we didn't know was there, like, comes out. How many of you found it to be the case? That, that, that in, in Scripture, prophets were someone that would bring agitation to you, to bring you higher in God. And, and so, so, so here's Jonah, and, and uh, if you guys open your Bibles... Uh, I'm going to read Jonah, I'm going to read a, a good bit of chapter 1 here, so just kind of track with me if you can. And I think we'll have it on, on the overhead as well. So Jonah, uh, the word of the Lord came, verse 1, chapter 1, uh, to Jonah, some, uh, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He, brought, he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. <laughs> Terrible plan. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship he was on, threatened to break it apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors and fishermen shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all the time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. 
Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is, your type, what is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? They're asking, what is your God? Who, what is your religion? Jonah answered, verse 9, I am a Hebrew. I, am the worship, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, and the, uh, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from his Lord. And then they cried out, why did you do it? No, they don't even know. They're just saying, why did you do it? And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become uh, calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. That's a good word. Uh, instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried to the Lord, Jonah's God, O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sins. Don't let, hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon us for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him in the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Yay. It's just funny. You guys are responding to parts that I was not going to talk about. <laughs> you know, so, so how many of you found that God might ask you to do a step? And so I'm going to use this. Hopefully you guys can see this a little bit. So let's say that this is you just hanging out. We'll say you're pretty happy. And God calls you to do something. Now, what God might be asking of you might be something 30,000 foot level, calling, life, change, calling, right? Or it could be something as, I want you to wash the dishes. I, I want you to take out the garbage. How about, I want you to apologize. How about, I, I want you to do right to your coworker. I want you to... Bring a gift to your boss that you don't like. I want you to go and pray for that person in the wheelchair. I want you to fill, fill in the blank. Okay? So God will call us to do something, and he's asking us and inviting us into an invitation. And what happens? You know, when we do that, how many of you found that you do that, and something about you got bigger when you started to say Yes. That, that there's actually a growth that occurs. Now, if we could put up the, the slide of what Jonah did. So this is a map of, of the, the, uh, the, the Middle East where Jonah was located. So Joppa, Israel, right there. This is basically the place that he was at. And where did God call him to go? He called him, I want you to go, and I'm going to send you here because I want ministry to happen in Nineveh. Nineveh is up in the upper right-hand corner there. I hope you guys can see it. And then Tarshish over there. He boards a boat. The opposite direction. So God says, I want you to go here. It's 550 miles. He goes, I'm going to go five times that the other way. I'm going to run away. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why Jonah did that? What, 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 about, what, about, that, what, what about that assignment 
repelled him so much. We're going to learn more about that in a minute. You know, sometimes you don't know, you just are repelled by something. And, and it's in those moments that we can either engage with God before we set our course for absolute havoc and trouble. Does this make sense? You know, how many of you found that disobedience to the Lord's voice, when you run from the Lord, you run into trouble? That you run into trouble. And so if we look at, if we look at Jonah, Jonah, here's the Lord, and he is running the other way. And so God's saying, I want you to go to Nineveh, and Jonah goes the exact opposite way. Right? And along this journey, what happens to Jonah? It says that, that he went and boarded a ship, and on that ship, God sent, <laughs> God sent a storm. And it's just so funny because they're like, what is going on? You know, they, have, they have a frame of reference to know that when calamity comes, uh, there's a spiritual force that we can call on to calm the storm. By the way, it's just a good word. Now, they didn't know who, they didn't know what. These were pagans. They didn't know what was going on. So they just began to, to, to try to figure out whose God was doing this. Who, put it this way, put it in other words, whose fault was this that this was occurring? Okay? How many of you know your disobedience cost people around you? Because those sailors, they were on this cargo ship, right? This is their livelihood. They're, they're, they're traders. They, they have cargo on the ship. They, they, they were moving it from one place to another. What did they do? It says that they had to throw it overboard because of the storm that Jonah brought. So they're on this ship. You know, our disobedience impacts people around us. It impacts people around us relationally. It impacts people around us maybe financially. It impacts circumstances and situations. And so Jonah goes and disobeys the Lord, runs the other way. Now he's on this ship, and, and, and it's, it is kind of funny. They're, you know, they're trying to figure out who it is, and they're like, Jonah, what about your God? And he's like, well, my God is the God of the land and the sea. So, <laughs> You know, our disobedience can numb us to the, the indicators of God around us that Jonah was asleep, that, that he became numb to the promptings, to the nudges, to the, the evidence of God trying to get his attention. How many of you found that situation? That we become numb, and then what we do is we do this, is that we will seek, when we, when we kind of disobey the Lord, kind of we're, we willfully disobey, or we passively or reluctantly you know, disobey, we create this environment internally that other people might not know about. Does that make sense? Now, Jonah is kind of a blabbermouth. He came right on board. He's like, I'm running away from my Lord. Where's my bed? You know, like he, he said it right away. But often we actually walk around kind of with these little places that we're not, we're, we're, we're resisting God. Okay? And what happens is we, we start to become numb. And then what we start to do is we start to, we start to seek out how to make that, this dysfunction right. Does that make sense? We start to seek out how to make a dysfunction right. So when we disobey the Lord, what happens is we start to tie these knots. And we will go and listen, Sozo ministry, one of the reasons I love Sozo is because it always points us to Jesus. That Sozo ministry points us to the Lord and has this dialogue with God about what he is saying, about who we are, about things that we might be disconnected to him on. And But what we'll do is we'll go to stuff like Sozo, or we'll go to stuff like, you know, um, 
Uh, I mean, counseling sessions. We'll, we'll self-medicate. Maybe you, maybe you get into shopping. Maybe you get into to, to eating. Maybe you get into over-exercising. Like, like you, you'll find a hobby, a dysfunction, to try to make that place right again. Does this, does this make sense? And, and, and we see people, listen, the only way to untie a knot that disobedience brought is to go back and obey what he said. You can get every sozo in the world. You can have... You can have Steve Backlund, you can have Bill Johnson, and you can have Heidi Baker lay hands on you. The knot is still tied. And what will happen is you're going through life not able to grow into your next season, not able to grow bigger because you are stuck because you got some knots inside that came from resisting or disobeying God's voice. Now, these can be big knots, right? These can be ones that, that have major impact on your friends and family around you. Or they can be little small ones that only kind of you know about, but you have a lack of peace, that there's a lack of, of, of rest in your soul and in your spirit on a day-to-day basis. And, and it's like this. It's like I've heard people say this, that what is God putting his finger on in your life that you're not giving attention to? Does this make sense? That it can be big or small. It could even be the opposite. It could be God's calling you to get a sozo, and you're saying No. It, it, it could be God's calling you to, to address this place in your heart. It could be calling you to, to confront someone on something that they did to you. It could be calling you to apologize and to repent. But in this place, we, we kind of develop some of these knots. And so, so the only place, the only way to get those knots out is to do what? Is to go back and revisit what God said. And in that place, choose your heading now is in that place, kind of choose where you go. You know, and here's, here's Jonah. Jonah is kind of like a really pouty prophet. You know, he's sort of like, you know, they're like, what should we do to you to, to get this storm to stop? And he's like, just throw me into the sea. You know, my life's over. You know, you know there's no hope. Just throw me into the ocean. I've given up. I'd rather die than just go and simply surrender and yield. You know, we, we find out that with Jonah, one of the problems <clears throat> is that during that time, there's a Syrian oppression. There's this other nation coming. All like, like Israel is being not just defeated, they're being poorly, poorly treated. They're being abused by this Assyrian nation. Does this make sense? Like this is your enemy of enemies all around. And so for a long time, that's the case. So that's all he knew. That's all Jonah knew. And so what happened is, uh, Jonah was, was, was being asked by the Lord to go to what we would call the Gentile nation, right? The people outside of, like, of God's Israel family. He, do you know, he's the only prophet that, it, that was sent to the Gentiles in the Old Testament. It's a huge theological point. He is the only prophet that was sent to Gentiles. Now, some, Elijah and Elijah had interaction, but they weren't sent to the Gentiles. He was sent to the Gentiles. Did you know that the word Jonah means dove? You know, God wants the spirit, he wants the dove to penetrate places that we think don't deserve it. And what happened with Jonah is he built an exclusivity in his heart and didn't want to obey the Lord. And that exclusivity, that attitude of exclusivity, created spiritual pride. And spiritual pride got Jonah swallowed by a fish. Does that make sense? You know, 
the nature of the kingdom is that there is always room for one more. That there's always room at the table for another. That God's heart is so much bigger than what we think it is. And now a prophet was never sent to Gentiles at this point in time. But God is sending the dove to Gentiles, and he doesn't know what to make of it. How many of you know that God will use your life to bring breakthrough that you've never seen on the planet yet? Otherwise, you wouldn't be alive. Does that make sense? Like, your life has such a purpose, it looks like doing something that's never been done. Otherwise, why would you be alive? Does that make sense? That I hope I'm arousing that sweet tooth of what God wants to do through your life has never been done. But it requires us to have a heart that says, God, your heart is bigger than mine. So draw me into your heart. You know, we, we develop kind of patterns of exclusivity sometimes. Usually, I mean, oftentimes without knowing it. I don't know that anyone who, like, develops a pattern of exclusivity, like, intentionally. I mean, that's just very weird. But sometimes we do that inside. It's like, it's like you know, we kind of, it's an us and them. Jesus divided the us and them language and line when he came. And we have to know that. We have to have a revelation of how big God's heart is. And so, so fast forward. So Jonah gets swallowed by the fish. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. You guys okay? So Jonah gets swallowed by the fish. You know, and it says this in, in chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, then Jonah, uh, uh, when, he was, when he was thrown out uh, into the waters, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside his fish, inside this fish that the Lord sent to swallow Jonah. Okay, side note. It says that the Lord sent a fish to swallow Jonah. Okay? Not to, like, hold him gently in, like, his mouth where, like, he has, like, an apartment on his tongue or, like, some, like, you know, some, like, visual that, like, cartoons might give us. It actually is, like, God sent a fish to swallow Jonah. I, so, so, meaning this, I don't know that God was intending to, to let Jonah live. I, I, don't, I don't know. But we see something that happened after Jonah was swallowed, after he is in the pit of pits. It says, then Jonah, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1, prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I cried out to the Lord my God in trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more to you. I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went to your holy temple. And he says, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you and songs of praise to you, and I will fulfill my vows to you, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. It's this moment of absolute everything is again, like he is literally wrapped in seaweeds at the bottom of the ocean, and he has this heart of repentance to the Lord in a moment. And in that moment, God comes and rescues him with the fish. And from the fish, he starts praising the Lord. Okay, if your life is not to the level of being swallowed by the fish, you have room to praise the Lord. In the, in the darkest dungeon, God will still answer you. 
you have to understand, there's no pit he can't rescue you from. There's no pit emotionally. There's no pit physically. There's no pit spiritually. There's no pit psychologically that he won't rescue you from. But we often won't go to him until we get the feels that he's going to come. Does this make sense? And we don't let ourselves, we don't let him push us our back against the wall because that feels uncomfortable. When he's just trying to get your back against the wall so you, you would see again how good he is. And so he's in this fish, and he, it's, it's one of the greatest prayers, and it's one of the greatest passages of his heart got totally changed. And to the point that he's thanking God for this fish. He doesn't know if he's going to live or not, but he's just thanking God for this fish. You know, sometimes we just need to thank God for the fish that we're in, right? For the circumstances that we're in. Knowing that, listen, he'll, he'll rescue you. He'll bring you into your destiny. But you got to start thanking him for it. We got to get in the position that, that, that what's not important becomes not important, then what is important becomes important again. Does this make sense? And so Jonah, I'm going to fast forward here. So Jonah, uh, it says that, that the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the, ve- onto the beach, verse 10. Okay, so Jonah went, disobeyed the Lord. The Lord called Jonah to go to Nineveh. He had an assignment for him in Nineveh. Jonah went and decided that he was going to do it his way. How many of you know, we talked about it earlier, you're terrible, terrible when you do it your way. It's like this. Oh, yeah, by the way, he gets eaten by a fish. And then what happens? Actually, because of his heart, because of his repentance, God lets him live. And it says that what? That God spit him out on the shores of Nineveh. This is the ultimate illustration of Proverbs 16:9 that you may plan your steps, but the, you may plan your way, but the Lord will establish your steps. That, that Jonah could have just taken a nice little trip to Nineveh. Instead, he disregarded the voice of the Lord, and it cost him everything. Now he's at the place that the fish spit him out to the very place that God called him to. Okay, side note. Like, listen, like, like Jesus is so good at getting you in your seat that you can't mess it up as much as you think. But you can make it much harder than it needs to be. Does that make sense? That like you can make it so much easier or harder. It's up to you. And Jesus will ask you things that feels like it costs you everything. Feels like you're in a journey. And I tell you what, it's not costing you everything. It costed him everything. It's costing you a little bit of discomfort. It's costing you a little bit of inconvenience, whether it's taking out the trash or going somewhere to Africa. Whether it's repenting to someone, apologize, it's costing you a little bit of inconvenience. It costs Jesus everything. So sometimes we just need to remember that a little bit, that we can make it harder than it needs to be. And Jonah made it, I mean, he got swallowed by a fish. He made it harder than it needed to be. So then the Lord spits him out. Now, it's really interesting. What's the last thing, what's the only thing that the Lord told him to do until this point? We're beginning chapter 3, and we're going to wrap up here. What did the Lord say? Verse 1. If I could have uh, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, get up and go to the city of Nineveh. Right? Now, let's get uh, chapter 3, verse 2. What does it say? Chapter 3, verse 2. I know it's going to take them a moment. 
get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. But he didn't change the subject. The Lord is like, okay, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you got swallowed by a fish. You destroyed someone's boat. You know, God is so good. God's like, by the way, I got them all saved because I'm good, not because of you. <laughs> that they responded to the Lord quicker than the man of God. Just a thought. You know, that, that exclusivity thing says that we're the people of God. We respond to the Lord quicker. Listen, there are people out there that respond to God much quicker than you and I, and they don't even know him. Like, that shouldn't be the case. So here's God, doesn't even address some of the stuff. He's not, oh, Jonah, how are you? I'm sorry about that fish. God doesn't say any of that. God's just like, okay, good. Now go to the city of Nineveh and do what I told you to do. You know, we can make it big as not as mess as possible, we, but we cannot get around responding to his voice. So the next thing he does, I'm going to just kind of paraphrase for time's sake. He goes to Nineveh. He says, okay, everyone, Nineveh, you guys are my absolute worst mortal enemies. I do not like you at all. Uh, you have to repent in sackcloth and ashes or you will be destroyed by, by, the, by the God of heaven. That he's seen your ways and it's time that, that, that you change. And so what does he do? It actually says, um, I'm just going to paraphrase for sake of time in chapters 3 and 4. It says that Jonah actually went out to the east side of the city because he's like, they're not going to respond. I did what you told me to do, God. It's fine. I did it. Totally obeyed. And then he goes out to the east side of the city to, to get a good seat for their destruction. And it says he sets up a shelter because he wants front row seats to see his enemies destroyed. And then what happens? It says that from the king to the, even the animals, everyone responded to the Lord and covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes and repented. It's just really interesting. Here, here's a, here's a, a huge city of 120,000 people who don't know the Lord respond in a moment to where Jonah took three days in a fish. That our familiarity sometimes causes us to not walk in the breakthrough of the Lord that's, that's available for us. This makes sense. It says that not even one, not even the animals were allowed to, to drink, were allowed to eat. And when God saw, this is chapter 3, verse 10, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became angry, verse four, or chapter 4, verse 2. So he complained to the Lord, didn't I say that when I left home that you would do this? This is why I ran to Tarshish, because I knew that you are merciful and compassionate God. You are slow to angry. You're filled with unfailing love. Other translations would say you're full of mercy. And you, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. So just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And this is God, verse 4. Is it right for you to be angry about this? This is God being sarcastic. Oh, I'm sorry, Jonah. It, pff, you're angry? Is this right for you to be angry about this? And Jonah's basically, like, yeah, it's totally right for me to be angry. I didn't get my way. <laughs> I didn't do what I wanted to do. That was inconvenient. 
I was uncomfortable. I took a risk and I didn't like it. I did what you wanted me to do, but it didn't happen the way that I thought. Am I like reading your hearts right now? <laughs> that some of us have stopped obeying because we obeyed and God did something with it that we didn't think he would do. And it wasn't what we wanted. But God counts that still as obedience. Even if it's not the outcome that you want. Listen, the outcome is up to the Lord. It's not up to you. It's not based on what we want. It's based upon what he wants. So he sets it up, and Jonah still doesn't get it yet. And he goes out. He sets up the shelter. He sees it. He has this interaction with God. And God's like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you angry? And he's like, yeah, I, I am. I'm angry. You should kill me now. This is the worst, blah, blah, blah. He's just a pouty prophet. And he's sitting out on the side, and, and God teaches him a lesson. And he grows this great, it says like a gorge or, or, or a, um, a vine, like it's a great kind of plant to give him shade while he was, keep in mind, Jonah is still sitting on the east side of the city hoping to see destruction. He's still sitting there. Anyway, God sends this plant to give him shade, and Jonah loves it. All of a sudden, his circumstance change, he's happy again. And then what happens? God sends a worm, a bug. He sends a little destroyer comes and eats the vine. And now Jonah is like level 10 pouty. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he turns to the Lord and he's like, oh, I like that. That was mine. That was helpful for me. And God, God's given him a, a lesson. And he goes, did you, like, is that important to you? He's like, yeah. Did you just get that? Yeah. God goes, what about people that I created that are in that city that are going to be destroyed? Am I not the God of compassion that has compassion on them? And this is where, this is where the, the book ends. And Jonah wrote the book, so, you know, we, we think that he got the, the message. I mean, look, like, we need, Jonah needed an upgrade in his heart. You know, he needed an upgrade of, of understanding of God's heart. And I tell you what, one of the things that I have found that we can see over and over in this story is that repentance tenderizes our hearts. That, that there is a place of repentance. There's a place of, of letting the Lord, what David would pray, God, search me and know me. See if there's any offensive way in me. And then you know what? Lead me in your ways out of it. That, 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 that place of humility tenderizes our hearts. And when we're unwilling to go there, we're slowly building spiritual pride. And that doesn't mean you just camp out, you just start to repent of like, you knock, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, like repentance brings freedom. It, it, repentance isn't supposed to be a snare. That makes sense? That you don't want, you don't want to just repent repenting of everything of, of like, you bump someone on the shoulder like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. God of heaven and earth, please forgive me. It's like, no, we don't walk around in fear, but there is something about humility that tenderizes our hearts, that allows us to walk in obedience. And so Jonah finally got the message at the end. And so I want to close with this, is that, you know, God is doing something in our midst that looks like recalling what he has said and responding to it before we can effectively move on, before we can build on goals, before we can do. And he will, I tell you what, God can be extremely stubborn. Like, God can keep his finger on something so long, and you're so uncomfortable, and the day that you just yield is the day that you have great freedom and peace. How many of you found that to be the case? 
that it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. It matters about how we respond to the Lord. And we can bypass a lot of dysfunction. And so over and over again, I don't know if you caught this, but in this story, you know, it's like over and over again, when people were in a pit, when there was trouble, and they turned to the Lord, God is the rescuer. He comes in and rescues every time. It was the sailors on the boat. They turn to the Lord. They get saved. They vow to serve him. It was the, the, it, it was the uh, Jonah and the fish in the absolute lowest of low, the pit of pits. He turns to the Lord. God rescues him. And the, and the people of Nineveh, they respond to the Lord and he rescues them. And so I want to give an invitation this morning. If you're here today and you need rescued by God, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to respond to him because he's responding to you today. That it doesn't matter what pit it's in. It doesn't matter what people don't know. You could think, man, if only people knew. Listen, it doesn't matter. It matters that you get right with God. It matters that you allow him to come in and rescue you. And God can rescue us from any sin, from any brokenness, from any situation that Jesus paid such a price that he can come in and redeem and restore. So if you're here this morning and you want to be right with God, you want to say, you know what, today's my day, I need rescued, and I'm, I'm looking to Jesus to do that, and I want to say yes to Jesus with my life and invite him to be Lord and, and surrender to him, I'm going to invite you to stand in a moment. So if that's you, just go ahead and stand as I talk. And so, you know, sin is this. Sin is living apart from God. That's just what sin is. It's just doing life apart from God. And so God knows how to untangle your messes way better than you ever could. And so if you're here today and you want to say, you know what, I'm just going to take, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to say yes to Jesus. Go ahead and just stand up. I'm just going to give this a moment in the room. If you're here today and you feel like, man, I really want to.